I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Hi, Kairos. Glad you guys are here on a Tuesday night. There's a lot of places that you could be. I'm honored that you would spend it with us. And I pray that the Lord would speak convincingly um, and directly to you tonight and meet you exactly where you're at with your biggest questions, your biggest doubts, your biggest fears, your biggest hopes, and your biggest dreams. As Jacoby said, we're starting a new series called The Big Story. Um, we're going to take a look at the Bible as an overarching meta-narrative. If you want a $5 word from sociologists so that we can understand the context of our story. Because the problem is this. Hey, if you're looking for just your life to bear the full weight of figuring out your purpose, your significance, and your contribution to the human race, it will implode underneath that weight. You need a bigger story. You need a bigger vision from which to make sense of your life and figure out your unique kingdom contribution and calling. You also need a bigger story to let go of all the anxiety, control, issues that you have because things are not working out the way you wanted them to. So that's why we're going to take a look through that and we're going to make sure that we hunker down and see the Bible as a whole because what's at stake is I think a lot of times what Jacoby alluded to, you just kind of start to proof text a bunch of verses. You pick out your favorites and you really don't put them in context. Like I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, weightlifters' favorite verses. Um, <laughs> except you never read on and say, I've learned the secret of being content in all things, whether weak or strong, whether poor or rich, whether well-fed or hungry. Total different context, okay? Uh, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, give you a hope and give you a future. It's awesome. It's at every baby dedication. I get it. It's great. Just remember the context is they're in exile, and that's not going to happen for 50 years. Okay? So sometimes we've got to put things in a bigger portion of Scripture and understand that even as believers, we are not exempt from suffering, from questioning, and from doubting at certain points in our journey. Will this actually make sense? Just ask John the Baptist. So we want to take an honest look at what is this huge overarching story because let's, let's address the elephant in the room, not the Roll Tide elephant, um, the literal elephant, okay? You guys have heard the children's book or the parable about the six blind mice. They go up and they're trying to figure out what an elephant is and one of them grabs it by the tail and demands it's a rope. Another blind mouse goes up and feels the trunk and says, ah, it's a snake. One of the other blind mice goes up to the leg and goes, it's absolutely a tree trunk. I feel like a lot of times this is what our denominations are doing. This is a lot of times what we as Christians are doing, that we get into one portion of the Bible and we so elevate it to the point of neglecting other portions of scripture or the story. It's a snake. It's a rope. It's a tree trunk. No men and women. It is an elephant. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Sally Lloyd-Jones loves to say, every story whispers his name. Creation was made through him. He came to his own. That which was his own and his own did not recognize him. I want to make sure that you're not failing to recognize Jesus when you go to scripture and when you interpret your life. Because here's the deal. Most of us just live our lives. Very few of you are going to interpret your lives. And if you want to interpret your life and try to understand that it has eternal consequences and significance right here and right now, you need a bigger story to interpret it through. 
So that's why we want to look at that. We want to take a look at the full arc of Scripture. And so I'm going to give you some fancy words that we're going to look at for the next four weeks. So we got creation. Ooh, you hear that? You got, whoops, separation. Am I misspelling? Who's laughing at me? It's really embarrassing when you're laughing from my backside. So I have a lot of insecurities that are now being... You got redemption. And you got restoration. So in four weeks, we're going to preach from Genesis to Revelation. Congratulations. Creation to restoration. It's going to be awesome. You're welcome. We're going to be here for like nine hours. David Platt's going to be so jealous. That is... Christian joke, you shouldn't know that, that's bad. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with Christian culture, I apologize, I'll explain later. I want us to look at creation tonight because here's what I fundamentally believe. For those of you who are in a season of life where you are naturally suspicious and distrust the goodness of God, We've got to go back to creation. Fundamentally, our discipleship, our joy, our service, and our intimacy with God has to start with the presupposition given to us in Genesis chapter 1 that God is good. The Hebrew word is tov, all right? And it's just going to, you're going to see it as he starts to go down creation. Day one, day two, day two, day three, day four, day five. He does this, he does this, he does this. And it is good. It is good. It is good. It is good. He is self-validating, self-defining our understanding of what is good. And then what's really awesome on day six, we show up and guess what? Creation goes from good to very good. Tov, tov. Awesome. All right? You are the apple of God's eye. You are the crowning jewel of creation. Brent Curtis says it this way, as hard as it is for those of us in here to see our sin, it is far harder for us to remember our former glory. Do you ever have the sneaking suspicion something's missing from your life? Do you ever see something beautiful in creation and go, why is that stirring up such longing in me? Do you ever have a profound desire for order? Like when you see a mess, you're like, oh my gosh, straighten it up. <laughs> Maybe that's just my wife. This is why she married me. Do you ever see disharmony and go, oh, I long for harmony here? Do you ever look at the world and see abuse and injustice, sexism, racism, classism, and go, it shouldn't be this way? Why do you think you can say that something's missing? Because it was put there in the first place by a God who is good and who designed all of those things. As Albert Ives says it this way in his book, The Prophet, all beauty is either an echo of Eden or a prophecy of new heaven and new earth. Men and women in here, I want to remind you that beauty is your birthright as a believer. God has designed it. He has said it is very good, and he has put in you a deep longing for it. Hey, porn addict, the reason you're struggling so much is your desire for beauty has been hijacked. Hey, eating disorder, 
The reason you are struggling is because your perception of your own beauty has been distorted and hijacked. Hey, prescription pill abuser, and you know you're doing it, it's because you don't know where to go with your longing, so you'd rather be numb. We've got to get back to our original design and ask the God who designed them in the first place, what are the good and appropriate ways to have them satisfied? Until then, we are going to chase lovers less wild. You are going to chase idols and small g gods. But that's not going to be us. Because we're going to remind ourselves who God is and who he says we are. So Genesis chapter 1, if it's okay, I'm going to read two verses for you. Um, and we're going to see what the text has to say. Um, Genesis chapter 1 in verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. That's Hebrew poetry. They just keep saying the same thing three different ways so you remember it, or it's just that good. You need to say it a couple times. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So here's just a couple things that I want you guys to be able to take away from this. Um, number one, you are blessed to be a blessing. Did you see that in the text? The first thing God does to Adam and Eve, the first thing he does to the very first humans when they get the breath of life is not tell them, hey, get busy and get to work. It's not, hey, we got, we got lots of stuff to do. Here we go. He blesses them. You were designed for blessing. You have a God. If you want to fault him for anything, he gives you too much. He blesses. What the tar does blessing mean, right? Well, you just use it all the time in church culture, don't we? And in the South, y'all love it. You see what I did there? <laughs> I'm probably officially converted if that's what I just said. Bless his heart. Bless her heart, right? Loosely translated, it means you stupid idiot, okay? <laughs> I don't think that's what God is saying. And God said, you stupid idiots. Well, look at you. No. <laughs> I was on an airplane one time, um, and we're, we're landing. And you know, as soon as they shut off, like, all the engines and the air conditioning, it gets really, really quiet. And then this is the time when the fasten the seatbelts goes off. And for some reason, and if you're one of these people, I'd love to convert you tonight. You're not deplaning faster than anybody else, Okay. It is written in the law of creation. And somewhere in Exodus, you go row by row, okay? <laughs> Stop trying to be that person that sneaks up three rows. It's just not cool, okay? I know you have overhead luggage. Just wait. It'll be all right. So I'm sitting back there. The seatbelt sign goes off. And everyone, some, it was a female who I guess she was just in a big hurry, jumps up to try to get out and go quick and cranks her head on the overhead bin. And you hear the whole plane go, oh! and then some church lady in row B12 said, oh, bless her heart. And I'm like, you mean you stupid idiot? <laughs> that overhead bid's been there the whole flight. <laughs> Not what God is saying here. God is blessing. It is a sign of favor, distinction. Oftentimes in Middle Eastern culture, a blessing can mean a greeting or a kiss. So Adam and Eve show up and he's like, mwah, mwah, look at your kids. You have the look of your father. Why? Because you're made in my image. You were designed to reflect 
my responsibility and my ruling. He's kinging and queening them. He's giving them all the things that he spent creating and goes, it's all yours. And he puts them in a garden called Eden, loosely translated delight. I want you to delight in my beauty and my creation and I'm giving you freedom, freedom to choose to be with me and to live life the way I designed it. So he blesses them. You are blessed to be a blessing. And then he says, be fruitful and multiply. Do we all know what that's code for? Good, okay? (laughs) Physical intimacy is representing the intimacy that you were created to be connected with one another. Not all of us will marry or experience that. Jesus, who was single and celibate, experienced incredible amounts of connectedness and intimacy with his father and with his friends. What it's saying is God's creation functions best when you are connected to God and connected to each other. You were designed to live in the context of community and you were designed to walk with God and listen to what he says about you and how to treat other people. You were created to be connected to God and connected to each other. And then it says, fill the earth and subdue it, right? It sounds like a wrestling move or something. It's, uh, what does subdue mean? And at this point, you're, everybody who like, wants to just destroy creation and not really care about it, go, oh, there it is in the Bible. It says subdue it, all right? Let's just strip ourselves of natural resources and pollute ourselves to death. Who cares? The next generation can figure it out. That's not what it's saying, okay? Just so we're clear. Subdue in the Hebrew is a priestly responsibility to care for creation. You are God's representative on planet Earth to all the resources that he has given us. What does this mean? You were created on purpose for a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. Three things you're going to see in the creation account that you need to understand in your story and in God's story. You were created to be blessed, to be a blessing. You were created to connect to God and connect to others. And you were created on purpose for a purpose. And I'm telling you, your purpose cannot bear the weight of just simply your own life and your own story. It has to find it in something more grand and more glorious than just simply the satisfaction of your comfort and your convenience. So that's where we find ourselves. Creation, and then a couple next week we'll get to separation, then redemption, then restoration. So you're like, okay, Chris, Good, great, grand. Thanks so much. Appreciate that little Genesis lesson. There was no felt board Bible characters. That's a plus. So what? What do you want me to do with that? One, I I want you to marinate on it this week. I want you to recognize Jesus coming to you disguised as your ordinary life. That there are blessings upon blessings that you take for granted every day. That there is opportunity to connect to God and connect to one another, but sometimes we're too busy to notice. And that you have been given certain gifts and talents and resources to discover your purpose. What is a kingdom contribution that I can make? Where is a place where I can live a life that's consequential and eternally significant? And oftentimes, it's not the glamorous moment that we expect. It's being patient with a waitress who's obviously flustered and being kind and generous 
and tipping her above and beyond. Sometimes it comes as your annoying little kids trying to just see if you can have some more patience and joy with them. Is that just me? Yeah, that's me this week because I'm a single dad. All right, here's, uh, let me do this. Uh, let me try to give you a way to remember this. So we're always trying to go, yeah, I got it. I wanna make sure you have the tools in conversations, thank you, with other people to be able to have clear and concise ways to communicate the gospel story. You ever just nod your head and go, yeah, I agree with all that. Okay, tell me what you heard me say in three sentences. Uh, yeah, no idea. Okay, great. So here's a tool right now that we're um, playing with that we've found a lot of fun with. Um, it's called Three Circles, okay? Uh, <laughs> you're created for beauty, okay? This is creation, God's design. Everything that you long for is evidence that God has put eternity in your heart. Dissatisfaction oftentimes is evidence that something is there that only God can satisfy. So he creates us, right? For blessing, for intimacy, and for purpose. But what happens? We say, no thanks, God. And we run away. We're going to go our own way. God says, I'm going to decide what good and evil is. And we say, nope, I'll decide what good and evil is. And what you said is evil, I actually want to call good. And what you said is good, I'm actually going to call evil. The Bible calls this sin. You've missed the mark about how to live as a human being and flourish in God's design. So then what happens is brokenness enters the world. And this is usually where most of us start, right? I don't have to convince you that the world is broken. I may have to convince some of you that you're broken. If you're not convinced of it, just ask the people closest to you. They'll remind you that you are. Things are not as they should be. And so what do we do when we're in our own brokenness? We, just, through our brokenness, try to fix ourselves, right? We think, hey, if I can just work really, really hard at being a good person, then I can make up for my brokenness. Or let me work really, really hard in my job and my career and provide a sense of financial security and a hope and a future so I don't have to deal with the fact that there is actually brokenness and chaos and unpredictability in this world. Or some of us just develop unhealthy attachments and little plat idols that ultimately turn into addictions. Addiction basically is promising to meet a need and then robbing you of it in the long run. And some of us just go out and we decide, you know what? I'm never gonna be happy with myself and to cover up my brokenness, I'm going to go from person to person to fill this gaping hole inside of me. And when none of them can stand the pressure of meeting my needs and healing me, I'll discard them like yesterday's trash. And all of our attempts at fixing our own brokenness, even educating ourselves and piling up degrees, still for some reason has not fixed what ails humanity. So what happens is Jesus decides to come down so that we can be reconnected to God. This is what the Bible basically calls repentance. The Bible simply says, repent and believe 
the kingdom of God is at hand. What are you repenting of? I can't fix myself. Me left to my own devices, I will run away from God. I could never do enough to deserve or merit your grace. And instead, I'm going to fall on my knees and say, I surrender. There's no way I can ever have enough self-esteem. There's no way I can ever have enough work ethic. There's no way I can ever have enough relationships or money or power or sex to fix the brokenness in me and the brokenness I cause to all those around me. Would you fix my brokenness? So Jesus comes and he defeats death and sin and hell. And he is King Jesus. And so he is reestablishing the rule and reign of God that was originally set up in the garden. And this is simply restoration. Yay! So give that a shot. See if you remember that in a couple days. If you're having gospel conversations with somebody, this is a really great visual way to explain it. We're going to try to go back to this every uh, night in the series. Um, One of my commitments of our team, uh, as we're learning this, is to pray for someone we can share it with so that we can practice. One of the things I'm probably going to do is I'm going to try and find some of the atheists or agnostic in my circles and go, hey, dude, I really need your help, all right? Because you have a perspective most people don't have. I'm trying to explain Christianity with three circles. Tell me if this works, okay? Good, what don't you agree with, all right? I'm putting them in the position of power. So again, as we begin to share faith, hopefully this will move it. And then, as much as I love these words and they make uh, the seminary student and me happy, I don't know if we can remember them. So here's what we're going to go with. We're going to call it beauty, brokenness. Is that spelled right? Sorry, my brain's broken. (laughs) Then baptism, when Jesus immerses us in his death and in his resurrection, and then we get to blessing where we get to recover what God originally designed for us and be God's representatives in this world. So the story is simply this. It's one of beauty, brokenness, baptism, and blessing. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this story that you're inviting us into. Would you help us remember it and make sense of it? And as we take a couple minutes to move from just being spectators and listeners to those who hear and obey, to those who are fully involved in following your voice and implementing your commands. Would you speak to us? So questions I would have for you guys tonight as we practice some reflective prayer and listening. If the Lord's already speaking to you and you already know the one thing God brought you here tonight to hear, go ahead, write that down, tune out my voice. But if you're looking for a processing question to help give your prayer some prompting, I would say this to you. Out of the three things that we talked about that you were given in creation, blessing, connection, and purpose, which one is missing? (laughs) Which one are you longing for? Which one do you know is true, but you have failed to have the courage to pursue it or receive it? Just ask the Lord, where am I deficient 
that you want to bring your sufficiency? Is it blessing? The fundamental assumption that you are good? Is it connection? Being connected to God and community? Or is it purpose? Living a life of self-sacrifice for the sake of others and discovering what it is that I can offer. Holy Spirit, would you guide our thoughts and would you reveal to us the areas where you want to recreate us in the image of God. Amen.